Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. Rise up. The answer lies in the heart of battle. You're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Hadouken! It's time for your Talk Time Live exclusive. You are now about to witness the strength of geek knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, back on the show for his third appearance is an actor most known for his roles as Ken Masters in the hit game series Street Fighter V, or just the Street Fighter series in general, and recently returned as the iconic voice of Dante from the critically acclaimed mega hit game Devil May Cry 5, now available on Xbox and PlayStation 4. But most of all, I call him the world-traveling survivor with a true spirit. Folks, please welcome back <laughs> actor, producer, and stunt coordinator Ruben Langdon back to Talk Time Live exclusive. How you doing, good sir? Great, great. Glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Hey, you ain't lying. So, um, first <laughs> of all, Good afternoon or good morning, because you're in Tokyo right now. <laughs> I'm in Tokyo. It's still it's still the AM here. Yes. Still just nudging over there. How's the weather? Over just there? nudging. Yeah. Uh, great. It's been it's been really nice uh, the past few days. Spring is is coming. It's starting to warm up and feeling pretty good. Awesome. But you're not you're just visiting there. You're not residing there right now. Actually, I've kind of been residing here for the past. Uh, maybe about nine months i've been kind of back and forth i should say a lot mm -hmm. uh um mostly staying here but then when work calls uh, i head back to the states so Sounds good. <laughs> uh but i'm i'm probably wrapping up my my tour here uh and my wife and i are gonna head back to the states in about another uh couple weeks a month or so awesome so now it, honestly as much as i want to talk about devil may cry 5 and we will talk about devil may cry 5 we have to talk about your recent ventures in Guatemala involving you and a friend getting shot at multiple times while driving in a back alley. Can you talk about that for those yeah. who are not aware of that situation? Yeah, it was, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I was down there for, uh, we were just kicking off a documentary project that my, uh, my good buddy, Steve Copeland invited me to come to work on. And, uh, we were down there to, um, to film uh, one of the Mayan elders, Alejandro uh, Tata. Right. He's uh, um, he's in a movie called Shift of the Ages, uh, which is available online. You can get links to that um, from my website and stuff. Um, and we're sort of doing a part two to that. Uh, <clears throat> and we were down there meeting with him. He's he's he just turned ninety. He's not physically. He's not doing so well. Uh, and we don't know how much longer he has left. So we were kind of, it was kind of a rush to get down there and, and get him on film uh, and get his, 
basically wanted to get his blessings for this new project that we're doing, which is sort of a continuation of Shift the Ages. It's called Vision of the Ages. Now, correct me if and I'm wrong. Is he mm -hmm. the gentleman that was in the video? Uh, that you uh, guys no, called that was the Chief, Chief Phil. Okay. Yeah, the Chief Chief Phil is uh, is sort of the focus of part two. But he was uh, on Vision that documentary, correct? Yes, he's he's gonna be. He was in. He's in a little bit in Shift of the Ages. He he pops up. Yeah, I, I do um, recall seeing him on there, and then seeing him on the on Facetime with you. I was put two and two together there. Yeah, he was with us, uh, and then actually he left the day before. I, I think. Yeah, I think we took him back the day before right. um, to the airport. Two days prior to his original uh, departure date, we we had more time. But he, you know, as you see in the video, his wife. Uh, had a premonition yeah. and um, called them up and said, get on an airplane right now. And, uh, and it was, it was, he, he was actually very frantic and it was crazy. And I, you know, I was talking to Steve, I was like, Steve, we still have a lot of filming to do with him. Uh, yeah, are you sure this is okay? We, you know, if we take him back to the airport early, this is going to be, this is going to sort of shoot us in our, in the foot with uh, uh part of the pun <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right, right. with, with uh, getting the footage that we need. But he was adamant. He was, uh, it was almost, um, he was, he didn't tell us about, you know, what his wife said until after, you know, we got shot out there. Right. Um, but he was very scared. You could tell he was shaken up. He's like, I got to get back to the airport. Get me, get me home right now. I, I got to get home. I got to get home. And, and he had been traveling for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. this was, uh, the end of uh, a several month journey for him. Yeah. Uh, and we knew, you know, we knew he was tired. You could tell he, he was very tired during the trip. Uh, so we took him, we took him to the airport, got him on an earlier flight back. And then, um, yeah. And the next day <laughs> we were, we were like, okay, we've got all this extra time now. Um, let's just go hit up some temples and get some good B roll and, um, make the best of our, of the rest of our trip. Right. And, uh, and we were on the way to uh, one of the temples and um, we were driving through Guatemala City uh, and we missed our exit uh, or our, uh, the main road we were supposed to be on. And Google sort of rerouted us to uh, through these back alleys uh, to a certain, you know, through some back alleys, which, you know, there's lots of cars and people. So it wasn't that, you know, um, it didn't look that horrible. Like, or I mean, if you've seen the video, yeah, yeah, it's not like you're going down a dark alley by yourself. <laughs> you know, we were there was people everywhere, and it was middle of the day. It was like it was five o'clock. Right. You know, and there was, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, for me, I didn't hear the shots. My buddy heard the shots. I just heard the back window get blown out. Right. Which I thought initially somebody was throwing a rock or. Uh, something hit the back window right. trying to figure out like what, you know, and it's like, well, do you, do we stop? What do we go? We were sort of in stop and go traffic anyways. And we, and we stopped. And then, uh, I looked in the back rear view mirror, uh, or the, the side mirror, I should mm -hmm. say. And then I saw a guy running up to the car with a gun in his hand. I was like, Oh Jesus. Uh, <laughs> my instincts was like, okay, he's after the camera, right. not really figuring it out that, you know, no, he's trying to kill us. But, um, so I turned the camera off and threw it under the seat. Right. Um, <laughs> that was just like my knee jerk reaction. Um, I think I would have done the same he, thing too. 
honestly. Yeah, and he, he actually runs up to the car, uh, which this is what's not in the video. And um, mm. thank God, my buddy Steve, uh, his instincts when we got when we got off the freeway is uh, he locked the doors. He had auto lock. Right. So the guy. Uh, runs up to the car because we're we're stopped we're stopped in traffic we cannot go the, the car in front of us is blocking the way right uh so the, he runs up and he tries to open my the passenger door like i'm looking at the guy he tries to open it and this all happens in a in such a split second right uh you know a matter of two or three seconds he he can't gain access to the car and as soon as he can't gain access, the gun comes up and I'm staring down the barrel. Wow. Immediately, that's when it clicked in my head that, oh, this guy's not here to take our camera. He's here to shoot us. Right. And I'm as the gun is coming up, I'm yelling, go, go, go to right, my right. buddy, you, you know, and then he his instincts kick in. So literally, uh at the exact same time as this gun is coming up, you know, and I'm staring down the barrel, I'm screaming to my buddy, Steve, go, go, go. And his instincts kick in and he, uh, goes around, you know, the car in front of us is, we're in, you know, deadlock traffic. So he goes on the other side of the street. Luckily there were no cars, uh, coming at that moment and, uh, goes up onto the sidewalk even. And uh, starts driving as the guy is unloading his clip into the door. So, uh, and then all this, you know, stuff is flying up in my face and plastic bits and whatever. And and I'm just, you know, not knowing if I'm shot or right. what's really happening here. And, and stuff hits me. So I, I feel stuff and I'm like, I hope that's not a bullet. Right, and right. My adrenaline is, you know, and this is all happening like in, I'm talking in just a few seconds of time, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, what's it like to get shot? Does, is this is this what it's like? Is, you know, is am I actually shot now? And then my adrenaline is just so on edge here that I can't feel anything. And now what is that? What... You did say also that like in it's on a footage of your of the video that you were able to do, um, you felt it like in the lower part of your back. Yeah, I felt I felt well, I felt I had a lot of I had plastic bits hitting me in the leg. I yeah. had. Uh, definitely my lower part of the back, I got, uh, I, I think I felt something hit me the, the most. That's why I kept looking down. Yeah. And if you look in the video, you can actually see me like taking my hand and like checking right, for right. blood and <laughs> cause it, you know, it's all happening at such an intensity and, and such a, uh, uh, so quickly mm-hmm. that it, it's really hard to to know, you know, at that time. And I've, I've been in injuries, uh, doing stunt stuff and, Correct. Yeah. you know, I've, I've been in motorcycle accidents where the adrenaline's going so, so high that you don't even know, you know, your bone is sticking out of mm-hmm. your, your foot and you look down you're like, Oh, that's not good. Right. Um, so I kind of was like in that moment, like, is this all what's happening here? Am I, it, hopefully I'm not, you know, leaking blood anywhere or anything like that. Uh, and then we get, he, he keeps driving. My buddy keeps driving up to the top of the hill. Uh, and we we're stuck again. We're in gridlock. Here's both directions. Mm-hmm. And I look back in the mirror, the guy's still running up, uh, the hill chasing after us 
with with his gun um and i just screamed again go 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 he's still coming at us wow uh and luckily my buddy is a amazing driver you know does some crazy maneuvers <laughs> cut some people off and uh we go down the hill we're on the other side of the hill and we turn a corner and then we're we're gridlock again like this whole this was like the worst traffic right gridlock traffic uh the time of the day in, in guatemala city so uh luckily the guy didn't turn the corner but i tell you that was the longest i don't I, maybe we were stuck there for only two or three minutes right. it felt like an eternity just thinking in my head if he comes around the corner uh what do you do do you get out of the car and run do you stay in the car right you know what like I, all these different scenarios were trying were just going through my head trying to think okay what what i do if i got out of the car and ran would my buddy also get out? Would he be stuck there? Do I leave my stuff there? Is this guy, you know, is this guy trying to just steal the stuff? Is he trying to kill us? What's the deal? You know, there's just a million, your, your mind in those situations is, is racing a million miles a second. Right. And it's, it's hard to think rationally. You know, this is why you have trained professionals. You have people in the military and people who, uh, you know, police and other people in these who are a little bit more used to these situations and, and trained to, to react properly and, and trained to react in these situations. Right. But I tell you what, all my gun training that I've been in, all my martial arts and all my um, uh, uh, film stuff, I feel I have a, a little bit edge over my buddy, Steve, who's, you know, a, a film director, producer. Yeah. Um, he's an extreme sports guy, uh, used to be ex extreme sports guy so he has some of that you know quick thinking on on the at the last right. second but uh, when it comes to you know uh martial training um as much as i've done you really until you're in those situations you really uh it's hard to apply it it, it you have to sort of be in those situations uh over and over again and and sort of become numb to it and yeah. uh, and and that's very difficult so after after this whole that whole experience, uh, you know, especially in the the following uh, days uh, and week weeks or so, and, and even now, I'm I'm sure I'll be processing this 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 situation for for uh, weeks and months and ma and maybe years to come. Right. But I really have I feel like I have a, a much better understanding of PTSD yeah. and soldiers and other people who've been in these extreme situations. And uh, and how they have a difficult time uh, kind of relating or dealing with the stress because you're in it's such a high stress level. And with them, there's uh, no like downtime. With exactly most people, especially our soldiers, they're going in one moment after the next. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going from one uh, extreme situation to the next to their, you know, seeing their friend next to them get get shot up or uh or even worse you know it's or even worse in our, in our police in our law enforcement yeah uh you know my dad's a, a retired copy now works in a prison right uh and you know he would tell me the stories it's funny because i you know i told him hey i got shot at he goes oh welcome to the club <laughs> <laughs> he's like shakes it off no big deal he's like oh, you, be well, more proud of you son 
<laughs> yeah, you're you're here to live through it. That's you know that's all that matters. Right. Uh, you know you're you're safe and that's good. You know so it's uh, oh thanks dad uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but um, you know I I just have you know, I I've always had a lot of respect for law enforcement and military. Yeah. Um, but I think it's it's gone up to another level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and not just law enforcement and military, but like you said yourself. Uh, if you've been staring at the end of a barrel, yeah, um, that is that's not an easy thing to deal with, you know. No, um, it, it really is not. I mean, like, yeah, we talked about this before before we even started the show. Like, I had two experiences like that, and it's never easy. I mean, my my mind. I was a kid. I was like sixteen when it happened. When stuff like that happened to me, and. It is well, crazy. All the more, all the more. I mean, if you're a kid, that's even more <laughs> going to affect you in, in in ways. In some form or fashion, that, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, all I can say is, you know, and 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 if anything, what this whole that whole experience is motivated, helped motivate me to do the work that I'm doing in the documentary space uh, that much more. You know, it's more. It's like the world we just like these kind of situations. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe, you know, this, you, you know, I, I sort of, um, you, you know, I'm, we, in our past conversation, I'm sort of a spiritual guy. I'm sort of a woo woo guy. And, um, so I really respect uh, about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I think, you know, the universe creates these, uh, situations and puts us in these situations so we can have a better understanding, a better, we can empathize, yeah. uh, with, with these types of, um, with people who've been been there right mm-hmm. and uh and i feel you know especially me now a documentary filmmaker uh trying to make documentaries about um helping people who who have been in these situations people who uh who are continuously in these situations still are in these situations like you know what do you, how do you how do you empathize with that like me how do i empathize with the, the guy who who shot at me, you know, and this was a, a, a big test for me. Sure. I, I was pissed off in the moment. And, uh, you know, all you're thinking about is why in the hell would this guy want to do this? Right. Uh, and, and thinking about the punishment, right. Uh, yeah. Law enforcement and stuff mm-hmm. like this. But he, you know, I was in Guatemala. I was in, you know, basically a third world country. You know, we went, uh, after that, you can see in the video, we went to take the car back to, uh, oh, the to insurance get it traded out. Portion. The insurance thing. <laughs> but but here's the thing. We we talked to friends. We went to the car rental. They all said, don't go to the police. Mm. So here's another situation. Interesting. Where we, <clears throat> we're so used to in our, you know, Western worlds, uh, where the police will bring justice, right, to to these types of situations. Um we like to hope now so. we're you'd like to hope. Right. Exactly. We hope, <laughs> you know, in general, you know, generally, <laughs> right. you know, my, like my dad, you know, being a cop, mm-hmm. uh, generally, you know, he goes to work to protect and serve, um, the general public, right. right? That's his, that's his, he took an oath. That's his, his, his duty His uh, you know, follows the, the law. And that's, that's where, you know, we, most, most of our law enforcement, most of our, uh, in the Western world, um, they do that. Right. Right. Here I am in a, a rural country with my buddy, Steve, and they're saying, 
don't go to the police. Our friends and uh, people at the you know car rent door like it's only gonna it could only get worse. Wow. They, you know they're telling us that, and this and this is obviously not all the police there. I'm not saying this is uh, uh, the situation, but it's a high probability that um, that it could just get worse in the sense that they might try to. Uh, take money from us or, mm. you know, or the paperwork is, is going to be, uh, so difficult and so ridiculous that it's just going to create there. more issues. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm like thinking, well, what, how do you, what about the insurance and all this? And the, the rental company is like, he calls his boss. He's like, no, nope, don't go to the police. And we're like, are you sure? Are you absolutely, you know, there's a police, the police were at the airport. The police are right there. Let's just go get a quick report. And they're like, no, let's not do that. That's not wow. a good thing to do. Um, and, I, and, we, and we call a couple other people to get second opinions because we didn't want to, uh, to do that. But, you know, this is also, that adds a whole nother layer to a situation like that and to people in those situations. So there's people, there are countries and there are people, there are good people on this planet that have to live with that type of, uh, situation yeah. on a daily basis. Like that's their life. And, and, uh, it shouldn't be that way. You know, we have on this planet, we have enough resources, we have enough, um, good people, including the people, you know, in the, in those countries yeah. to, to be able to, um, take care of each other. We should be able to take care of each other. Uh, so these types of situations don't happen. Ruben, uh, I've been saying know. we, I, I can speak for many of people, including people in my culture. We've been saying that for mm -hmm. God knows how long, just on yeah. our, just in our, you know, ideology alone in our community alone. And it, it's, a, it's, it's really, you, you get taken back just thinking about it and pondering and stuff like yeah. that. And then you, you know, for you to be able to travel around the world and you see it maybe sometimes two to five times over, it's mm -hmm. surreal. It is. And, um, and, and it's kind of like enough is enough. You know, we need, yeah. we need to, to, to start. Um, and, and, and part of this, you know, a big part of this documentary and the message behind it is, um, is we just need to treat each other with respect mm -hmm. and we can't, we can't put the blame. We need to stop blaming, uh, and, and throwing people under the bus, yeah. you know, because that's, you know, Oh, it's that country or it's that guy, that guy who shot you, you know, mm -hmm. he, he, he should go to jail and he should go to, go to hell, you know, kind of thing, you know, right. you should take him out, you know, and, and that's not the right attitude either. Yes. He should be, I said punished for his crimes in the sense, but we need to kind of re redefine what punished for a crime. What does that mean? And what is, you know, the, all of that, all of the reason we're in the mess we're in. Mm -hmm. uh, and I learned so much about, um, you know, this whole, this whole building the wall and what all this, what's going on right now. Yeah. It's so tight. And Guatemala has a huge, um, uh, part in this um and i don't know if we want to spend this going into it but that's gonna go yeah that's gonna be layers of conversation layers of conversation but basically i didn't you know so many of us in the states are just uneducated on the the real situations on what's mm -hmm. going on out there and when i learned that 
probably this guy and a lot of the people that are under him are act were actually former LA gangs. Mm. Uh, that was created from, you know, from refugees being let back, led into the States that were let into the States because of wars that the U S was creating in Guatemala, you know, back in the seventies uh, and eighties. Yeah. This is how, it, this is how interconnected this is all, all, all this stuff is. Right. Right. Um, and people are being deported now. Um, these gang members are being deported, uh, and because they basically grew up in in L.A., but they were let in as refugee status, but then they got sucked into the gangs, and it's just this this whole all of these reasons, all of this stuff, the reasons it's happening is because it's the same story over and over. Let's summarize this with you know yes. with everything that you got going on with that situation. Like, what can what did you actually take away from the experience, in a sense? To summarize, basically, I mean, I have, like I said, I have a lot of respect for, for, um, for law enforcement, for, 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 um, for people, I mean, not just law enforcement, let's just say this law enforcement, military, but, but people suffering from PTSD, Uh um, you know, how does that come about? What are the symptoms of it? And, and, and then how do we heal those wounds? Um, so, and then also, you know, this guy, you know, and I, I, I sort of jokingly threw this out there, but I would, I would love to meet this guy at some point. You know, the guy who who, who shot us. I'm not surprised uh, that you love... said that. That's the type of guy you you are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, you, you, I'd love. You're a third dimensionally minded him. person, so I, I yeah. get that you would. There's always a cause to the effect. Yes, exactly. There's, and that's, and I'd love to get to that cause. You know, what yeah. it, what causes someone like that to mm-hmm. out of the blue just open fire on a car you know uh maybe he saw a camera maybe he saw my buddy and i you know we're we're, we're white guys and mm-hmm. and he had you know some some issues with um with that and i know there's the trump thing is uh um mm. guatemala the the whole wall issue and that yeah. like that there's there that's a that is an issue right now in certain areas of, of Guatemala because yeah. like, cause like I said, these refu- these uh, former refugees now LA or then became LA gang members and now they're being deported. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of anger and, and, uh, um, bad feelings towards, you know, the whole Trump thing, right? For so all we know, they probably thought wounds. you were on parole. They, maybe they thought we were, um, you know, Trump supporters or whatever, just yeah. because of, 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 of our skin color and, and where we were. And they thought you were you part know. of ice. Maybe. I mean, they, that could have possibly happened. Who, who knows? And they cut, they saw, could have saw the outline of a camera, even though our windows were blo- blocked in. Yeah. They could have thought we were, you know, just, uh, t- taking pictures and in case trying the, the to area. Yeah. So that is like, Hey, we don't, you know, this is our, this is our area. This is our territory. You know, you're not going to take pictures here and and let me show you who's the boss. Right. That could be there's so many different scenarios. The guy, I think personally that he was hopped up on some sort of drugs because he was a horrible shot. (laughs) Thank goodness. um, Thank goodness. (laughs) Um, And he uh, I just felt that when I looked when I looked at the guy's face and tried to look into his eyes, I even though it was for just a split second, I just felt evil darkness right. and like almost demonic kind of 
which, you know, when people get hopped up on drugs, I feel that they open, this is again, sort of an extreme to my belief, but mm-hmm. my belief is you you let, uh, you can let these dark energies in, um, into your, into your soul, into your body. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a reason we call alcohol spirits. Yeah. You know, because if uh, you drink too much and and it can actually the spirits come in, right? And they right. can actually take over. So uh, I I felt that just energetically uh, in the moment. But um, yeah, so there's a million reasons. But basically, yeah, I'd love to to get to the root of why um, he did that, and then and then give the guy a hug and say, look, what can we do? And, and this is the way all these problems should be approached, I believe, is what can we do to help him, to help his community right. get out of that situation so that doesn't happen again? And you know, you're not going to do it by taking him as an individual right. and putting him in prison. You know, I, you, know I, that, you say that and it's really I'm glad you did say that because with everything going on. In the U.S., all the controversy, everything that's going on right now with certain people, you know, whether it be celebrities or whatnot, they're, you know, we're damning almost everybody on the on the spot, you know, to to a level, to a level. Like, there's some cases. It's a case by case basis with me. There's some cases where you you can't go back. Some people need to be punished accordingly. There's some things you got to take. You got to use critical thinking with, and it's like. Where's your level of forgiveness come in? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it, I agree with you hundred percent. I think we need to get back to that. I think we need to evaluate not, situations instead of just shoot first, ask questions later. Well, you know, this is, this is something I started researching for this documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nelson Mandela and Desmond Tutu, um, in the, um, during the gen, there was all this genocide in, in Africa, right. Yeah. And, uh, like about a decade ago. And, so many people, you know, I think it was like a million people were, were killed mm-hmm. and, uh, they, they couldn't, there's no way they could persecute everyone. So what, what they did, um, is they actually, I think they call it the, the, um, forgiveness and, and reconciliation trials, mm-hmm. um, where they actually took the people who did the killings. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these people were kids, you know, gr- grown up in these, growing up in these uh, extreme situations, and they were brainwashed to to do a lot of these killings. Mm. So, um, and now they're old, you know, at that time they became older, but basically they sat them in front of the um, family members of the the people that they killed, and there was uh, these trials that basically were. They had to ask for forgiveness, yeah. and the and the families had to forgive. Didn't have to, obviously, but uh, were were given the opportunities to forgive. And uh, the, you know, there's a if you look on the internet, there's some a few um, some stuff on this. But I think that that sort of thing is is what we're going to need to get through all of the crimes of humanity that that yeah. that that are going on. And it's not like you said in some extreme situations. Even that is not going to heal, uh, or or right away. We're going to have to. It's going to take some time. I, I've but, I, I've always <clears> go by saying, 
um, that I've learned, believe it or not, from a animated TV show called X Men. But in it, it there was a there, one of the characters, one of the bad guys in there, said something that always stuck with me. It was crazy, but it 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 was like a life learned lesson. And he and he said, "I do not kill because I do not fear." And right now, no matter where you're at, especially in the United States, we live in a state of fear right now. And the big and the most and the biggest solution that everybody comes up with is like, get rid of them now, get, take them away. I don't want to deal, have to deal right. with it. <laughs> right. Well, and and uh, we're learning, and this is again part of my documentary is we're learning that mm-hmm. human, not just humanity, but every living being, uh, animal, plant on this planet is all interconnected. Everything mm-hmm. is interconnected. You know, we see that wh- whether you believe it or not, we can see this in our uh, just ecosystems. And we, you know, you take out the, you know, there's that famous uh, YouTube viral video, you take out the wolves in Yosemite, Mm -hmm. and then the deer go crazy, and then it causes all this havoc on all these ecosystems, then they reintroduce the wolves, and then all of a sudden balance and harmony is coming back into Mm -hmm. the whole thing. So we, we, we are interconnected, and we need to understand that. And when we understand that, and we, we realize that, um, we by working together and by helping each other out here uh we can all thrive and we can uplift each other as opposed to you know oh just take that guy out or take that person out do that you know it's not it's not the the way it's it's going to happen one one other example i'm just going to throw out there quickly that people Mm. can look up is there's some beautiful stories with the amish communities Mm. and they have uh you know a uh They've had cases where an Amish person would uh, create would would do a, a heinous crime, but in the communities, instead of exiling them or anything, they basically give them twenty four to forty hours timeout, and where they they basically shame the person for yeah. that amount of time, mm-hmm. uh, and they and the community doesn't talk to the, to the person, yeah. and they leave them out, but then at the end of that period of time 72 hours or whatever it is they actually then people talk to the, and they they talk to the to the person who committed the crime and they basically go through a, a period of forgiveness where it's even though if this person murdered somebody's brother the uh the brother uh, of the the victim who was murdered would actually forgive the murder and they would move through and that's how they would get through through their communities it's powerful and it's very powerful and it's something that we in this sort of western world couldn't even fathom and imagine um but these amish communities are doing it um you know uh nelson mandela and desmond tutu (laughs) created the whole reconciliation uh trials they did it why can't we adopt some of these things and we can see how it works because uh because obviously this whole sort of uh, endless cycle that we were in now where, you know, get the revenge, kill the guy, you know, get the revenge and, and kill the guy who killed you and or killed your, your family member. And then and then his family member is going to come in and cause, you know, and we, we, we it's this never ending cycle right. of, of carnage and death. 
this Hetfield McCoy's to, type of scenario just constantly yeah. going on. <laughs> and we we have to sort of figure that we have to sort of say, hey, wait, this is not working. Let's stop and and look at things and yeah, from a new set of eyes. So uh, anyway, that's a, a <laughs> well, long sort of tangent there. No, nonetheless, apologize for that. No, no, nonetheless, this is great stuff. Without with that said, I am so happy that you guys are came out of this okay. Uh, you know, moved on and be able to reconcile with everything that's going on and be able yeah. to celebrate all of the things that you've been able to do. And let's transition over to that because yes. you have had a great 2018, but in particular, you had a phenomenal start to your 2019. Congratulations on the success of Devil May Cry 5. <laughs> I mean, woo. thank you. Yeah, it's it's been uh, well received. I, you know, going into it, working on a number of these different projects, yeah. um, from from avatar to uh different films and other mm-hmm. game projects i've i've sort of have figured out uh not, not a, i can't say 100 percent, but i've sort of like okay i you know when you're working on something you mm-hmm. know when it's special yeah and you know you know that most likely this this project's gonna do well and yeah. you know on on the other side too when you're working on certain projects you're like yeah, this thing might not do so well. You know, it's probably not gonna um, get out there very, very well. Right. But <clears throat> so with that, and working on all these different projects, uh, when we were working on Devil May Cry Five, I, like I knew I was like, yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna do well. The people are gonna like this. Because... Honestly, it 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 blew me away. Uh, and I've we talked about it before when you were on the show. I played like. Four was one of my favorites. I played the other ones, uh, you know, everything involving Dante pretty much. But this one, it you know, played it all through first day. And mm-hmm. without a doubt in my mind, it is by far the best of the series in every aspect. So uh, and a, lot, a lot of people are saying that. A lot yeah, of people it, are saying that. It, so. it's, it's hard to deny. <laughs> it's so much more power into this in so many aspects. I mean, from gameplay to acting to the character development to the story development. It's just it was just awesome i mean the last time that we spoke last time you were on a show it was like june 2017 can you believe that <laughs> mm, it was all right it was during marvel versus capcom infinite when that released and i mm-hmm. noticed that you had such a prominent role in the storyline of that game that it led me to believe that dmc was definitely possibly coming into works <laughs> and this is before you couldn't open your mouth at all you had to had a whole deal yeah. uh you know the uh non-disclosed uh, agreement you know thing going yep. on and you know it was it was just like it was it i just had this gut feeling then they announced it on like the game awards or whatever or whatnot like that can you e3 talk- i think they announced it at uh they announced yeah at e3 it was at e3, e3 as well yeah i think it was e3 yeah. and then they continued it on from the game awards from yeah, that yeah. point uh can you talk about now when uh capcom made you aware that they wanted to make another devil may cry yeah, so it was uh, several years ago, actually. So the mocap portion, which we did first, mm-hmm. um, was what? What was it? Two, two and a half years ago now. So it wasn't around 2017. Yeah, it was 2017. So before that, though, I, I had sort of started catching wind. There, were, there had been talks about doing a, a five for a long time. Yeah uh i maybe even shoot uh well before for special edition mm-hmm. 
uh, around that time when when they were getting ready to release four special edition that we were there were rumors and talks and okay we're we're gonna do a five get ready mm-hmm. um kind of thing so um and you can kind of see that okay the four special edition i think because the numbers they were they were talking about doing a five but yeah. they weren't 100 percent sure and then when the numbers came in from the four special edition like it outsold the dmc reboot yeah, I'm sure. Um, it, I'm sure you. I'm sure. It, as much as we, as so, much as we appreciate that when it wasn't, it didn't fill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think most people don't appreciate maybe the game mechanics, yeah. uh, but don't appreciate the 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 um, the direction they took on it. Yeah. Uh, but when the so four special edition uh, was sort of, I think. Uh, just a, a final confirmation that Capcom needed. Yeah. And I think financially too, they weren't doing that well until that they got, that got released and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. The Devil May Cry franchise <laughs> is still alive and well. And obviously fans are, are wanting that version mm-hmm. of the game. Um, so I think that was sort of like the, the, the internal green light. This is my assumption. I don't have right, confirmation right. on this, but it, uh, just from being in behind the scenes as much as I've been and, and hearing all the, the chatter and talk. It was like, you don't need to crystal ball to predict the obvious at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think they just were like, yeah, this is, this is a, this is our internal green light. And then, and then things started moving quick from there. Um, And then uh, this time I wasn't producing. Um, I produced on three and four, the cutscenes. Yeah. I helped to produce the cutscenes. And this time I was just brought in as an actor. Um, Okay, so no motion capture this time around. No, no, no. I, uh, motion capture. Okay, so you did do it for Dante, but just like you didn't direct everything. Yeah. Going so on. for for three and four, uh, so I was, you know, at the time it was myself and my my company uh, and my partner Shibata Takuya, uh, Takuya Shibata, I should say, um, and we 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 had a, a a large role in the cutscenes when it came to casting, when it came yeah. to um, uh, script, uh, development mm-hmm. and, uh, localization. Uh, and, um, let me just think, um, you know, we, we actually found and recommended, uh, Yuji Shimura, the, the cinematic director. So there was a lot of production side of decisions and things that I'd sort of been a part of in mm-hmm. the, the whole time where this were for four, um, I, I'm sorry for five. I was more just, just an actor, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they said, Hey, come in, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna do this and we'd love to have you, you know, reprise your role. Uh, I did sort of have to kind of audition. It was more of a, uh, Dan and I had a, we did a little, put some stuff on tape and mm-hmm. did a, um, I guess an audition. That's, that's really <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it, it was more it was more for for capcom they said they it had been 10 years they just wanted to make sure we could reprise our it. roles right yeah they were like okay we're not gonna see other people uh <laughs> but we'd like to see that you guys if you can put something on tape to make sure that you guys can reprise your roles that's really and then crazy. i guess i if, just i just like watch christopher robin when they got the original winnie the, the guy who uh the actor who does the original winnie the pooh i wonder if he had to yeah. go through the same thing <laughs> all those years know. I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. I understand Capcom has their, um, their concerns, yeah. but, um, sometimes she's just like, really? Oh, come on, Capcom. Really? 
Hey, whatever makes you but, flu. But hey, you proved it. it but yeah, we you know we did our thing, and it, you know it was just it's like wearing an old shoe or trying you know wearing an old right, hat or something. Right. It, it, it's it it fits, and you just you just go with it. Um, and uh, and yeah, so we went out to Japan and did the motion capture. Um, this was like in two thousand. What year? We're in nineteen now, so yeah. um, eighteen. 17 16 i want to say wow. 2016 fall the fall of 2016 wow. um and uh and at that time i was in japan that's where i met my wife um huh. you know we I, I met her um not on the woman christ said or anything but through some friends mutual friends and uh uh we, we met up in Japan and started talking and now we got married. So I, you know, thank you. Devil may cry for bringing me out to Japan and meeting my wife. And <laughs> devil may be wed. Yes. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, so, the, so after that, I think it was that summer, that following summer, we started doing some of the voiceover stuff mm-hmm. and, and then it was sort of on and off in there. And then, uh, you know, simultaneously, um, the CG guys and the game development guys are working hard doing, doing their thing. And, and, you know, I appreciate as much as I appreciate these, these types of interviews and, and, and the, all the love from the fans mm-hmm. for the portrayal, for the voice acting, for the motion capture acting. I re- you really have to give a hats off to, so Itsuna-san who, cause for me, I was, this was about a month and a half of my life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for this, for Itsuno-san, the, the game director, this is four to five years of his life, of his blood, sweat, and tears right. every day going into the office, really making this game what it is, you know, pouring all of his ideas and, and the team, the development team, Capcom, all of the animators, you know, the hundreds of people that, that were involved in this game. Agreed. Um, they they put so much into it and and i'm lucky as an actor because yeah it's my voice my my movements that the fans get to see but it's just a small part of, of this great big picture that all these people go into to, undeniable uh, i i can't yeah. can't agree with you more on that <laughs> and i think a lot of people so, and this is why i like having people like yourself as humble as they are coming onto my show and i thank you for that because one of the things, the key things, and I may, I'm pretty sure I mentioned this before through our other interviews, is that like I like to educate our listeners who may not fully understand what goes into these things and how many years and how much time. And especially for the people who claim that they want to be a part of something like this. But you it, you know, and think that is fun. It is fun, I'm pretty sure, but you got to work hard to have fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the reason I got to have these opportunities and get to where I was and am is just, yeah, because I, I just kept following what I enjoyed and loved and, mm-hmm. and, uh, it just, it, it just, one thing led to the next and I kept going and kept going. You know, I developed the company just cause productions and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and kept pursuing my, my passion for acting and, um, virtual reality and you know passion for games and work having the opportunity to work on avatar the, the film avatar and um under james cameron and just all of that stuff it's just yeah. uh you just keep it just keep one thing leads to the next and and you just 
and now, you know, shifting gears a little bit and following this, this documentary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I was in just in Guatemala meeting the Mayan elder, um, you know, who the timekeeper, right. Who, mm-hmm. who has this, uh, ancient staff that's been passed through, through generations. Yeah. And now, uh, you know, he, he was on his sort of, um, I wouldn't say his deathbed, but he, he was definitely in, in, uh, having the opportunity to meet somebody like that. Right. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's it, what a life I, I've been blessed with, but, uh, a lot of it is I've created because I keep following my passion. That's true indeed. Now, as far as the game, when, uh, have you had a chance to play through the game just a bit? Cause I know you travel a lot you got enough time, but did you get a chance to see the final touches of everything? Uh, so I, I, uh, you know, I promise I will play the game once I get back <laughs> back to the states. Um, I did receive a copy. I wasn't gonna. I, I was uh, at the um, launch event, and they were yeah. like, "So, Ruben, uh, <laughs> you, I'm like, I was like, uh, I don't have it yet. I'm gonna have to go buy it tomorrow. Um, and I was actually planning to buy it when I got back to the states, but yeah. they they gifted me a Japanese copy, That's which. Awesome. Um, which I know I think will work for my PlayStation 4. It's region-free. Um, I believe, yes, it is. I, I believe they're region-free. Yeah. So as soon as I get back to the States and I'm in front of my PlayStation, then I'll do it. Right now we're in Japan and um, space is a commodity yeah. and we have we have a Switch. <laughs> but that's uh, – so I could play my <laughs> – I, I could play my Smash Brothers and play Ken. But um, – I couldn't uh, just right now. I but I have played the game. Uh, what was that? Capcom uh, a few months ago mm-hmm. um, at their studios, and they they fired up the system, and I got to play, and I was blown away then. And um, and I've seen uh, the cutscenes, so I haven't gone through all the game right. portions yet. But yeah, I you, but I've seen you, all you the cutscenes. You didn't play the game, but you damn sure got that damn trench coat, don't you? <laughs> I don't. I I don't have the coat. Are you they serious? <laughs> no, I wish I had the coat. They let me wear it for. Uh, they brought it in for the for the launch party here in Tokyo. Right, um, right. Just before the game came out, but that coat. They said it's it's that, a great. It's for, like twenty thousand dollars. Well, or for, the, the for, for people though, for our listeners that don't know, there is a bundle pack out for the game that includes the actual design trench coat that. Dante wears oh, right, fits right. on you perfectly, by the way. Um, yeah. I saw the pictures. And uh, there's also yeah. one for Virgil, and I believe there's one for Nero. Now, all of them combined, yes, all accumulate to $20,000. But like, I think yours was $9,000 for just for your uh, your Just for that coat. And yeah. and that was and that's a replica. So the original, yeah. what I was told, <laughs> uh, the original coat that I wore at the party, mm-hmm. which – you know, probably took about three cows to make. The thing was heavy. Yeah, it looked, it <laughs> um, looked heavy. <laughs> it, it was, I think they actually said it was something like, and, and I may be off. You have to talk to Matt or, um, uh, Eastern Sun to get the actual price, but it's like 20, like crazy amount of money, like yeah. 20, 30,000. I've never seen a bundle pack like that ever. That's uh, like world record breaking right there. <laughs> I, well, the, what they what they told me, it was interesting, um, just a little background, and, and some of the guys may have already heard this, but mm-hmm. so nowadays with all the, the detail and the the realism of these games, to make the, the models as yeah. detailed as they are, mm-hmm. um, it, it would take an animator or a model builder 
you know, a week or two weeks and, and sometimes a team just, just to make a coat. Wow. Um, so to put, to put him on salary or put that or him or her, uh, on salary to make a coat, to do that. And then to put it into the game, it would actually cost more than to spend $10,000, uh, or more, you know, for a designer to, to design a coat. Right. Uh, and then just to scan it and put it into the computer. That's amazing. So that, so that's what, where the game levels are now. So they actually did that. They paid uh, a stylist. They, they paid, um, and that's why they have these real uh, faces now, the models of the actors. Which, by who, the way, Dante you know, kind of does been, resemble you just a tad bit. Just a tad this just time. Tad. Uh, so for three, uh, I'm sorry, for four, they actually did use some uh, pictures of my face, um, mm-hmm. some likenesses of me. That what they told me it was uh, they took David Beckham's face and they took my face and they sort of <laughs> merged. You kind of got the merged same the two. <laughs> Yeah, they sort of merged the two, and then that was Devil May Cry, and that was sort of the in the older the old days, right? Yeah, they would uh, take a designer, an animator would take uh, real pictures and sort of you know let's take this nose and put it with those eyes and mm-hmm. this face, and they kind of come up with whatever. <laughs> but nowadays. Um, it's actually cheaper, faster um, to go and cast and hire a model, an actual physical model, um, and scan them into the computer and put that and then just use all the just the raw face and maybe make a couple things here. You know, they change the hair and whatnot. But that's literally what they did is so that the costume that I wore uh, for the for the launch, the the, the coat and everything was tailor made wow. for the actor who they scanned his face. And I, is my understanding, I, I forgot his name, but mm-hmm. uh, all of the models that they got for the game, so V, uh, Nero, and Dante, they all cast them out of um, the UK. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, and same with, I think, uh, Trish and, and Nico and, and Lady. So all of these guys, they. Um, they literally got real people right. to to scan them in, and and that's that's the way games are made now. It's crazy. It is. It is. So uh, as far as the motion capture of it uh, go back, because you re, you started doing a motion capture for Dante again. Were there any new yeah. challenges to motion capping uh, Dante this time around? Um, well, this was a full we we did full performance capture again mm-hmm. uh, for for Devil Cry Four. That was sort of the first in the series uh, that we did for performance where we did the, the capture of the face. The mm-hmm. di- differences now were uh, the head rig systems that we wore yeah. were, were way, way more developed than they were a decade ago. So like 10 years ago, we had this really long uh, head rig system that was sort of bulky and heavy. And yeah. it's, it was just a camera that took our, um, was taking a reference of our face where this time the, the head rigs are were, were way better and easier to maneuver with lighter and, <laughs> lighter and um uh, you know they had their own lights pointing at us and stuff but um which you could see some behind some behind the scenes stuff which uh, right. i'm actually trying to get my hands on some <laughs> some stuff so i can get it <clears throat> get it out there and show you guys but yeah uh but yeah it's it's um the technology is developed in that sense. The the marker sets on your body and the 
you know, doing, doing our physical stuff with the, um, the lights that come up the, uh, not the lights, but the infrared, uh, reflective markers, that technology really hasn't changed over the years. That's basically the same. The, The cameras have gotten better and a little more detailed, but, uh, all that's the same. So that process was basically the same as four, not really different, just a little bit better with the facial capture technologies. Um, yeah, I, it not the, it hasn't changed that much. I think most of the changes, you know, in the detail and in the, like the scanning, like we're just saying with the scanning of the actors, scanning of the clothes, um, and the, the, and those aspects, but our, our job really hasn't changed that much. Well, I got one more question, Devil May Cry wise, and then I want to jump into a lot of the other projects that you're working on because I'm always fascinated sure. with the, of the other projects that you work on and everything that you do, especially on social media. But there were, there is an option in the game that allows you to watch live action cutscenes from this. Were you aware of this? And if oh, so, right. did they ever approach you and Johnny to be a part of that in some case? Yeah. So, so yeah, just explain that process. So the, and we actually did this for Devil May Cry three and four, right? <clears throat> they just never made it. They just never made it out there. And what, and what it's called, it's, we, we call the, or in Japan, we've been calling this process, the video storyboards, mm-hmm. which is basically, you know, previs. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we did this for, you know, resident evil. This was something that we pitched to Capcom, a long time ago, uh, you know, over a decade now. So like since Devil May Cry 3 is to use live action uh, actors, you know, mm-hmm. performers and to shoot um, sort of a, a rehearsal of it in a yeah. sense of uh, in, in this case, in Devil May Cry's case, Yuji and his team, Shimomura, the cutscene director uh, in Japan used his team to uh, sort of do a blocking, a walkthrough yeah. of all the cutscenes, um, and shoot it really quick and fast, and then use some really cheap effects, you know, just to sort of get get the feel of each scene and how it would come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did this for three, they did this for four, uh, and again for five. And uh, I guess the difference now, what they did for five, with uh, as far as releasing it to the public in this sense and this i think if you buy the uh deluxe edition or something like that mm-hmm. it comes on it comes on that disc you'll have um and you can actually so the the viewer can actually see this if you look in detail you see behind the scenes of three and four i think there's a there might be out on the interweb somewhere uh <laughs> s- some of these um some of these video storyboards or right. these previs scenes of those as well, but the, I guess what Capcom decided to do this time was release them in their entirety. I thought that was pretty um, cool the way they did that. I was just like wondering, like, yeah. I'm surprised I didn't see you guys <laughs> doing it. Well, we we for let's see, three. Uh, if you look on my YouTube channel, we did the ending scene mm. in that sense. Okay, uh, Dan and I. You can see Dan, myself, and Stephanie Chivo plays Lady. Yeah, and uh, and um, the Arkham Joker, uh, Adam. Clark, who played that character, mm-hmm. uh, we we did something very similar gotcha. uh, for Devil May Cry three, but because um, because Yuji has his team based in Japan and we were in the states, so 
it was just easier for him to call call in his team and say, hey, uh, I need to shoot the stuff and here's the Japanese script and let me get all my blocking and find my camera angles. And, you know, it's it, it, it's more for him in the Japanese language and as well as for Capcom because then they can see it. They don't need to translate anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did these for Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6. Uh, we did the, all the cutscenes that you see in the final game. We shot in this form and fashion. Right. Uh, and and at convention appearances, I usually pull out some of these scenes and show the best of. Um, and uh, but I think now that time is uh, passed, <laughs> and I can sort of show without giving away spoilers and stuff, especially for the Resident Evil stuff. Right. Uh, I'll be re- I'll be releasing some of these. Uh, uh, scenes on my youtube channel cool in the coming months so let's switch gears with this because yeah. we, we spoke up briefly about your interest in uh extra dimensional e- existence out there mm-hmm. and you worked i checked out some of your stuff you worked on some projects uh that you produce uh such as uh citizen hearing in a mm-hmm. web series called interview with ed at, that is an extra dimensional right as you got a chance to speak with people themselves as such, can you talk about what led you to uh, this investigation and as well as your own personal experience? Cause you got a story behind this. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, back in, and I think I may have said this in past interviews, but mm-hmm. in 2007, I, I had my own sighting, right? I had a, a sign sighting what I, of UFOs, what I believe uh, were, something not from this world because it'd been, it was something I'd never seen before, uh, ever right in the middle of the day in, uh, Glendale, California. And it blew my mind. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was hard to, it's hard to, it's, it's sort of like being shot at It's, you know, it's out of your normal day to day paradigm. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and what happened was it got it got my curiosity going right it started um uh it started me asking the questions like what okay what did i see and i i wasn't you know on any type of hallucinogenic drug or uh just to clarify people (laughs) just to clarify you know i i was uh it was in the middle of the day i was doing my laundry um and i saw what i believe was a fleet of of UFOs in the sky, in the middle of the sky, middle of the day, uh, about, you know, 30 to 40 at, at the, at the peak, they started appearing and then they were there and then they started disappearing one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought at the time, I thought everybody, I thought this was going to make national news. I thought everybody had saw, seen this thing. And, uh, and I thought, wow, this is going to be the biggest thing ever. Uh, and that night, uh, checked out the news nothing nothing happened there was no no discussion no talks um and it sort of i was sort of dumbfounded i was like well how is this possible how come nobody else saw this and i went online and i started doing some research and i saw other videos of similar type events but not um not that specific event so in uh mexico there were many many mass sightings mass event sightings like like the one i had seen Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I kept researching, I kept researching and finding out that a lot of people had, um, had these experiences and, and even government and military officials. And there was, 
people going on the record in 2001, the uh, Disclosure Project, uh, which was put on by Stephen Greer, had these, you know, ex-NASA guys and uh, government officials sort of going on the record saying, hey, I've I've had these experiences and um, willing to testify in front of Congress. Uh, and then I just kept going further down the rabbit hole until <laughs> I actually started meeting those people mm-hmm. uh, and actually produced an event, the Citizen Hearing on Disclosure, which right. uh, which brought together was basically the Disclosure Project, Stephen Greer's Disclosure Project <laughs> on steroids right? and brought together uh, 40 witnesses, mostly ex-government military officials, uh, to testify in front of six former members of Congress, one senator, to the fact that the human race is being engaged by some sort of higher intelligence or extraterrestrial, um, extra-dimensional um, phenomenon. Right. You know, that's that's uh, so. From there, <laughs> uh, within that, there's sort of these sub-core groups within groups and different um, genres within genres and. From that experience and from talking to all these people and experiencers and uh, people who'd seen the Phoenix Lights and people who made claims to who have been abducted and, and taken aboard ships, um, I wanted to I wanted to know more. I wanted to keep going down that rabbit hole as deep as I could go. And what the picture that was sort of starting to form was that our visitors, these visitors are not nefarious. They're not uh, malevolent. To me, there seemed to be a benevolent aspect, um, for the most part, a benevolent aspect to to this whole phenomenon, and especially the, the abduction phenomenon. Um, because a lot of people who were sort of in it felt, okay, I was taken in the middle of the night and uh, traumatized and... Um, then but then i was put back you know and sort of adding it all up i was sort of trying to get to the bottom of it okay that doesn't make sense why if these things were truly uh, malevolent and why would they take someone and why would they go through all the effort to put them back right (laughs) and um and uh you know and sort of erase their memories and a lot of people had sort of um hazy memories or they would get to go through hypnosis and come come up with these these memories of being on board ships there's a great book by uh harvard um psychologist uh uh john mack Mm -hmm. uh from the early 90s um called abduction and and he was sort of exiled from harvard but then then he sued Harvard. He got back. He got his <laughs> credentials back because he was using the scientific method to and all of, his, you know, everything he had learned in through his academia to interview and to uh, regress and to to talk to these people who had had these experiences. I think he thousands of people he regressed and they would all talk about these experiences on, on being on board ships, uh, having interactions with these beings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he even was on Oprah. He was on, uh, um, several shows and he started, it wasn't until he started getting recognition for his work in the, in that field. And that's when, when Harvard sort of gave him the boot 
Um, and then he sued them and said, Hey, I'm just doing everything by the books and it's very documented and very, very well researched. And, right. uh, and then they I actually let him back. They actually gave him his credentials back and sort of forced to, to, to pay attention to the, to the subject. But, um, <clears throat> as, as many, uh, of his, of those encounters and his, um, recordings and, uh, you know, if you, if anybody looks into the subject, it's millions of people have had these experiences. Um, Whitley Strieber wrote the book, um, communion back in the late eighties. And, uh, you know, that iconic, iconic picture of the gray alien with the big eyes right. was on the cover of the book. Uh, he, he and his wife actually received over a million letters which they it took them like seven or ten years to go through and read every single letter, um, and then they put up they made another book called I think the Communion uh, Diaries or something like that. It actually goes into letters, but you have all these people, you know, literally millions of people writing in who ha- are saying they've had the same experience. So there's something in the collective consciousness in our collective being that people are having these experiences or had, especially in the, in the nineties, um, had these experiences, especially if they're all like uh, somewhat similar type of experience. Very similar. So you got to take that similar. into consideration. <laughs> you got to take it. Exactly. You can't, you're denying the evidence. You're, you're ignoring scientific method in that, in that right. case. And that's, and that's uh, where John Mack was and his research was so was profound and powerful was he's applying the scientific method in these, in this whole phenomenon and coming up with, you know, it's, it, it, my buddy, Jeremy Corbell has this uh, great saying, he's like, you know, we no longer have the luxury of disbelief. Mm -hmm. And, and now here, several years later, that was back in, you know, decades ago. Now, several years later, we have the U S government, um, with the release of the, uh, classified, um, a tip program, so in 2016, December 16th of two, I'm sorry, was it 2017? Maybe um, the New York Times did a, an article on uh, this secret ATIP program that has been involved with researching this phenomenon and and uh, has actually released three videos to date of unidentified flying objects from a uh, military gun camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, this is officially, you know, released documented, um, pilots going on the record to say, Hey, we've encountered these things and they are not from this planet. Um, they are not from this dimension. They are, uh, unknown and unidentified and the, the technology that that's moving them through space and time is something that no other, uh, country no other, um, no other, uh, anything that we know of on this planet right. could, could possibly exist. You know, the Chinese don't have this type of technology and the Russians don't have this technology. And, uh, and we're pretty certain that that's the case. So what, what are these things? We don't know. Hmm. They're not saying they're little green men or aliens, but they're, when you look at the collective body of evidence, when you look at the ATIP program, you look at, you know, all these abduction scenarios, you look at, uh, other countries, Brazil, France, Russia, uh, Australia, New Zealand, all these other countries who have released their files, certain 
uh, not all of their files, obviously, but the files that they have that have been released. You look at the collective body of evidence, and it paints a very clear picture that we have visitors. Uh, we we've had visitors. Mm-hmm. We still are being visited, and you have um, official documentation. Now, we're, we no longer live. This is my belief. We no longer we live in a post-disclosure world. Anybody who really wants to look at this subject matter and take it seriously, just look at your New York Times. You know, since the New York Times article broke. December 16th, 2017, there has been almost weekly, if you type into YouTube, um, uh, you know, secret government um, ATIP programs. Uh ATIP stands for Advanced Aerial Threat Phenomenon. And, uh, or not just UFOs, but if you look at um, these other terms, you look at, you know, Hillary Clinton on uh, Jimmy Kimmel talking about UFOs. Uh, you, you, there's just a lot of information out there uh, that sort of justify or solidify this this phenomenon as a real phenomenon, and uh, and the the news has been covering it. It's just nobody's really paying attention, and people don't want to go there because there's I, yes, there's a lot of other big issues on the planet, but I think if we look at this issue seriously and we sort of um can accept that we're not alone here this is gonna this is a major sort of paradigm shift in our mm-hmm. in our thinking and and how we can re- interact with each other and then sort of welcome these visitors in a sense that in a, in a non-fear-based sense now i i have a th- I have a theory with that too, and that is basically yeah. my other theory. In addition to that, is that I think people one fear what they don't understand, and if they find out, it may change the dynamic of their lives. Yeah, <laughs> and Absol- they so absolutely and, and, yeah. So in, in that point, like they try to deny if there is any possible truth that it might be because of the if any change if that happens, you know, it changed the whole spectrum of their entire you know livelihood. Anything they believed in would change. And we already see that happening now with certain aspects for me. And this is why I sort of was pushing this, um, this, this topic mm-hmm. so hard for so many years because it's a paradigm changer. It's a world paradigm, a worldview paradigm changer. Mm-hmm. And for me, and there's many ways to change your paradigm and you can have a near death experience. You can have, you can get shot at, you know, you can do, <laughs> um, uh, you can have, there's a lot of, sort of extreme paradigm shift uh, ways to do that. Yeah. But for me, the UFO phenomenon idea was sort of my, we'll call it gateway drug into, uh, into this new paradigm shift. Um, Just because once you know that, and you know, the evidence is overwhelming once you, when you really decide to take a look at this stuff seriously. Um, then everything shifts. Then you realize, you know, we are not the center of the universe <laughs> on this planet. We are just uh, sort of an insignificant little um, civilization on a, you know, blue dot in the middle of space. But at the same time, simultaneously, yes, we are just one of many billions of, of planets out there, um, infinite planets out there that that is harboring life but at the same time we are still 
very rare. You know, right. we're st- we're very unique. Uh, we're we're a, a, a part of this cosmic puzzle. And for visitors to even take the time to come here and mm-hmm. to, to check us out, then that's there's uh, something to that as well. I've always jokingly said that like racism on Earth would end if we even knew that there was people outside of the uh, planet. Exactly. exactly. It would probably transition so, to a whole another form of racism. But still. <laughs> well, one here's one of the things that I actually I learned this first from the ETs, and I know that's a. When I say that, people are going to be like, what? But <laughs> but then I, I, I learned it later uh, from my indigenous teachings, you know, mm-hmm. in studying indigenous cultures. Yeah. Uh, the One of the main slogans that the ETs say, and, and as well as our indigenous peoples. Especially is, the Mayan culture, from uh, what I saw from your documentaries. Yeah, is unity and diversity. Mm-hmm. And that's a slow, it's not just a slogan, but it's a belief system. And when you say that, uh, if we could all have unity and diversity, if we all like really took that to heart, and what that means is, uh, we are all unique individual beings on this planet. We with different races, different cultures, different belief systems, and the one thing that unites us all is that. Mm-hmm. And if we can all respect each other's unique beliefs, unique cultures, unique ideas, unique language. Um, unique, you know, ways of preparing food. Um, if we all respect that, and we we gave um, each other respect in the sense that um, I honor, and if we could look at each other and say, I honor you for you for your mm-hmm. beingness, for your for your skin color, for your culture, for your belief systems, and I honor that, and all I ask in return is that you honor mine too. That is the the one factor that can bring all of this planet, all everybody on this planet together and, and harmonize in a sense that we can, we don't all have to be assimilated into the, you know, like the Borg, right? Be a simulation (laughs) and be the same thing. Um, No, no, this is in fact the exact opposite. This is saying that we all can really embrace who we are, our uniqueness and, and, and come from uh, wherever we come from, yeah. but yet, because we we uh, embrace that, and we embrace that in each other, and we res- we give mutual respect to everybody else, and when, and my God's no better than your God or anything uh-huh. like that. Um, then that's the true unifying uh, unifying field of, of belief, the unifying the one thing that can unite us all and come together. Unity and diversity, unity and diversity. I keep saying that over and over because that <laughs> that's truly it's it's uh, and it's the same thing I've learned from studying the indigenous teachings yeah. from from uh, from the Mayan to the Native American to, um, you know, they all within the Native American tribes and cultures. There there's so many different, you know, diverse ways of doing things from the Hopi to the Cherokee to the right. to the Aztec to the, you know, but they all used they sort of had that in the as their their backbone uh unity and diversity so when they traveled you know this was before columbus and before the white man came over and, and did started doing their thing right. uh they all actually got along there was still you know obviously there's still inner fightings and things like that but uh-huh. for the most part there was this mass network of tribes from uh from the north and the south americas um that traded that you know, did all, you know, we're told in our history books that they 
you know, these savages, they were so disorganized until the white man came and did all the, you know, (laughs) that BS story. But they were very much a very thriving civilization, uh, especially the Mayans. Mm -hmm. Um, And they um, they all sort of got along because they they had that unity and diversity um, attitude. Good, sir. I got to tell you. The funny thing about what you just said was that was actually uh, leading to my final question. You answered it on oh. right there. <laughs> okay, that was awesome. <laughs> Sweet, but I could, you couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's absolutely. I mean, that was the thing. It was like, you know, with all your you know travels and such like that. You're like, what if you you have a broader perspective of things that we don't get a chance to see? Because my myself personally it, are in, in the city of Philadelphia all day every day don't get a chance to get out so we only see what we see within our country within our society within our culture but you only not only see it from our from that perspective but you also get to see other perspectives and more broader perspectives different ideologies and different communities and different philosophies and such and i have to believe that somewhere around that 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 valued experience that you get to to have is that you see a solution of how mm-hmm. we should react, considering all the scandals, the politics, the racism, the division going on. And you answered it. You answered it right there. Thank you. For, for doing so. <laughs> and, and not yeah. only just that, but thank you for being a part of this show once again. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time that you give. And I feel like I, I get a, to learn a lot. I feel like I get relieved spiritually <laughs> just talking to you. And it's awesome. And not just talking about, you know, your experiences in the world of anime and video games and movies and whatnot, but you just, you, unlike any other guest that I've ever had on this show, you have such a different dimension and perspective that I always enjoy listening to. And I can't thank you enough for doing that. So definitely thank you for being a part of the show again. Oh, well, thank, thank you, Dax. I appreciate it. I, I, I love these types of conversations. I could probably go on forever. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, no, I, I thank you so much. And I, just the opportunity to, to to talk about this and to talk about our love for the games and the anime and all that stuff. It's, Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, you're still a kid at heart, yeah. regardless of your studies. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just going to say, you know, you mentioned kid at heart. You know, that ultimately where all my research is going with all this, mm-hmm. that's ultimately, I think, also one of the key things that's going to get us back to uh, a place of peace and, mm-hmm. and wonder and, and joy is, is just to find that inner that inner child. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, we, we on this planet we take things way too seriously Absolutely. and um and if we could just all kind of find that kid and get back to what what drives us you know at, to this is why i love anime and i love games mm-hmm. and i think it's such a key aspect to to who we are as a human race is to because you know when you when you're truly following your passion when you're just making new discoveries you know all this bs with you know, all the wars and all the discrimination and, 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 um, all the hate in the world, it just, it kind of goes, it falls away to the wayside. Yeah. And, and we can just have fun, play together. 
that's what we need to get back to <laughs> now before i uh get you to go and plug yourself and everything that you're involved in um i gotta know you i mean you've had a great 2018 you were involved with uh doing uh stuff for spider-man got a war uh congratulations kid masters is in the smash brothers video game that's kind of like being <laughs> yeah. inducted into the hall of fame of video games <laughs> it, it, it is it is it was a cool little little thing that happened there but mm-hmm. i gotta ask what is next if you can re- even reveal <laughs> Oh, Which man. I gotta feel like um, I know this answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, again, I'm gonna stay focused on my um, documentary stuff here mm-hmm. uh, as well, right. as well as it, acting and performing. I'm still doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been been working on a game that I can't really talk about uh, on and off here for the past couple <laughs> years. So, um, so that's the you know that's the beauty of of also of this this work is to to be able to, to come in for, you know, a week here or even a couple of days here or there and to, um, to work on these projects and then to have the freedom to, to go and, and follow my true passion and, uh, you know, being a full-time documentary filmmaker, yeah. uh, let me tell you, that does not pay the bills <laughs> and, and most, and I feel sorry for a lot of those, uh, full-time documentary guys out there who are struggling because it's not a lucrative thing. Most of it's my own money. I invest a lot right, of my right. own money into these things. But at the same time, um, what I get out of that is the passion because I've watched your documentaries. I've watched the trailers, mm-hmm. the teasers. The production quality that you put into those extremely shows the passion that you have for what you're investing in and how do you want it to the world to see it the way that you see it. And I, I, I enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I love. And it's starting to pay off. So actually, uh, is, is the 20th, it's the 20th here in Japan. Is it the 20th? It's not there yet. So uh, mm-hmm. tomorrow on Gaia TV, and this is sort of, I get, get into the blog here. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, show interview with Ed is going to be, is being released, uh, on the Gaia network, which oh. is sort of the Netflix of, uh, spiritual content is sort of gotcha. what it, it's, a it's a, um, it's a subscription-based uh, network. If you type in Gaia TV, you'll you may even recognize some of the shows that are already on there. But um, my show gets released uh, well on the twentieth tomorrow, uh, or the day after tomorrow in, in America. Uh, so check that out. If you have a Gaia subscription, you'll you'll have access to all my episodes. Right. Um, you can watch them now immediately on the on Vimeo by just going to my Vimeo channel. Right. Um, which is Vimeo forward slash Ruben Langdon. And um, yeah, I just, I, I'm so blessed and honored to be able to do this work and to pursue it and to be able to have the financial stability from doing the acting and other stuff uh, and the time because, um, you know, working a nine to five, you just can't, it's really hard to, uh, to, to have the time to support myself and do this work. So mm-hmm. I'm just super grateful for, for all of this, for the, for, for both careers, the acting career and the, and the documentary career. Cause I, one feeds the other and they, and it, and I think it feeds the, the, I think the documentary career feeds my acting career because, you know, going, going out throughout the world and, you know, getting shot at or whatever. <laughs> uh, when I get back into the, my acting put on the acting hat like i i can relate better in those situations i can yeah. fe- i feel like i've i've got this uh, different world view and experience that i can 
I can approach characters now from a different view that I may not have been able to. You develop a, a form of empathy, which helps along the way, I'm sure. Exactly. And to get into those characters' heads and to, to really understand where they're coming from and, and feel that right. in a deeper level as opposed to, you know, just doing the thing. And there's lots of different approaches to the acting thing. And, and I just find for me and for my approach that that really helps. Absolutely. So if anybody, if any of your fans, listeners, whatever, want to follow you on social media, where can they find you? Uh Ruben Langdon, first name and last name, uh, sort of one word that's across the board from my website, mm-hmm. RubenLangdon.com, to uh, you know Facebook, to Twitter, to Instagram, to um, Vimeo. I have a you know again Vimeo. I, I really love to plug them because I feel they're so underrated. It's such a great platform. Really and, is. They, um, I mean, they really cater to filmmakers. <clears throat> yeah, and I put a lot of my. Uh, I, I do a lot of, you know, side videos, drone stuff mm-hmm. and um, uh, different edits just playing around and uh, sort of art projects Which, by uh, in the addition way, I gotta, to my series. I got to praise you on this. Uh, it, I, I highly recommend not even to go not only to go to Vimeo, but go on to his, I, your Instagram page because you drone uh, footage of so many great, beautiful areas around the world. It is so tranquil to watch. <laughs> I've mentioned this all the time oh, when you're you. on the show. It is so awesome. And it looks like your production quality, your camera quality has gotten only better. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of my Instagram is my, again, my playground for, for my drone work and for my film work. And I can kind of put little snippets and test things out and mm-hmm. see what see how they're going. And it's it's such a great creative platform for whether you're a filmmaker or just an amateur uh photographer you know i feel i I just love social media in these in these ways because it it's just it's showing us all how we can all be you know artists you know and and how to fuel that yeah so ruben thanks again and i wish you the best uh congratulations again on all your success and keep up the great work and i do hope to have you back on the show in the near future oh well thanks dax it's always a pleasure to be on your show and (laughs) and thank you for your great conversations and questions no problem ladies and gentlemen i hope you enjoyed this very very special episode of talk time live exclusives on behalf of myself and dante the son of sparta himself ruben langdon all i gotta say is learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games and extra dimensional this is acmg <laughs> presents talk time live we are out of here take care everybody This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality.